Hi everyone, welcome back to the Sacred Space Podcast. My name is Gina Stockton and I am so happy that you're here. Incredibly grateful you're here for this episode. I have a friend of mine, Alice Houghtonville, who came to share her story of walking through a incredibly difficult season in life. She's in the middle of a battle for her life and her faith and the honesty with which she shares what she's going through, what she's been through is powerful. It just, it felt like holy ground to sit across from her and I felt so honored that she would trust me with her story and trust um, this conversation and I hope that you have space to really listen to this. A lot of things were brought up, a lot of things were addressed in the process, and it's a very sweet, beautiful demonstration of who God is, of His attention, and His care for us as His sons and daughters. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Sacred Space. Well, hi, Alice. Hi, Gina. <laughs> nice to be here. Love this you, is Alice. fun to be on Gina's podcast. <laughs> I love you, too. <laughs> she looked professional in here and everything. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited that you're here, that you take the time. I would love for you to share your story. I mean, we can go as far back as you want to go. Just start where you want to start. I would love to hear. Yeah. I'll start from, um, basically, I grew up in church. I know I got saved when I was like five years old. I know that's hard to think that you can remember back that far. But that's as far back as I can remember just being in church and being really mindful of the fact that if you ask Jesus into your heart, you know, he stands at the door and knocks. And if you open the door, he comes in. So I can remember asking my mom over and over again, you know, what do you have to do now? You know, so I just really remember having that experience of knowing that Jesus was with me since a very young age. Yeah. And then I got baptized when I was nine. can remember even going down in the water, even to this day and coming up and just remember that wow. sensation of being baptized. Very profound effect on me. So I remember that very well. And um, about that time, my the pastor of our church was leaving. You know, my parents had been really close to the pastor and his wife. So they kind of stopped going to church. And then my sisters were 8 and 10 years older, so I was just kind of on my own spiritually. When I was in high school, moved away from home in 11th grade for gymnastics. So really was on my own, and thank God, you know, he really sought after me then. Yeah. And he put people around me to where I learned to really get into the Word. But I was so hungry for God. Like, I would just read and read and read, and Scripture mm-hmm. was so alive to me. So I really... I really got grounded in my college years where most people go off to college to, you know. Yeah, the opposite. Do the opposite, yeah. And then I got really introduced, I guess, in my second year of school to the power of the Holy Spirit and just the gifts of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really took off. You know, yeah. not that it makes you any more spiritual or not that it's um, something that gives you an edge, but it's, you know, my, my whole approach to it was, God, if it's in your word, Right. And if it's something that I can use to glorify you, and it, you know, I just want all of you. So Yeah, I th- that's such a good point. Jesus died for more than just us being able to go to heaven when we die. 
you know. Mm -hmm. He died so we can have intimate relationship with the Father, tore the veil so we can have access to Him. He sent the Holy Spirit. So there's so there's so much to relationship with Him, um, and it's easy for us to kind of focus. Oh, I God the Father, I'm going to stay here. Oh Jesus, I'm going to stay here. Oh Holy Spirit, I'm going to stay here. But it's 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 all that He has for us, right? Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Well, and to me, it's learning that they're three separate entities in one. Yeah. Like getting to know Jesus, yep. getting to know God, and then getting to know the role that the Holy Spirit plays. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that that's a real thing. It's yeah. not just he's the last one in the Trinity, so he right. gets left out, you know? Yeah, totally. But understanding that, and um, a lot of people have a really bad experience with that. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it scares them or they've, they've seen people abuse it or whatever. But to me, those experiences that I had were crucial for my walk now, being yeah. sick. You know, because there were so many miracles that happened. Those were supernatural things for me that I couldn't explain. Yeah. So knowing that that gave me a real inroad to knowing the supernatural to realize that the supernatural is not scary, but it's a necessity if you're going to know the mind of God and know the things yeah, of God. that's good. Supernatural that we get saved. Yeah, absolutely. Know? So that's definitely a supernatural act. Yes. So... Um, I followed the Lord, and then um, I was assistant coach at Princeton University, and my husband, because he lived in Princeton, and we got married, did ministry from, like, the get-go, like, totally yeah. sold out. We are still in touch with some of our youth group kids that we knew, oh, you know, cool. way back when, and I've since touched base with, since I've been sick, mm-hmm. you know, through Facebook. So that's been a blessing to see, just the support, you know, of people yeah. that we were in ministry with over the years that have come back to support us, and... Being sick has definitely been the hardest thing to walk through yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. So can you share that journey, like when you received your diagnosis and walking through all of that? Yeah, it was March of 2018. We just sold our house. And we're going to downsize. And, of course, I have two daughters that are married and then a son, mm-hmm. Michael. It's 24, Amy and Kelly. And um, grandson, I was keeping him full-time when I got diagnosed. Wow. So just devastating. Just, you know, I'd been a stay-at-home mom most of my years besides coaching and just had really planned my life to be there, raise the next generation, you know, and my grandkids. And just had planned my whole life to be there. Yeah. You know, and then to be faced with the fact that, wow, something's threatening that, you know, all my plans had to change. Yeah. I will say that my relationship with my family and my husband has changed dramatically, even though it was awesome before. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, it makes it even harder, I guess, for my husband and I because we just, we spend a lot more time together, obviously, but just the caregiver that he is and, you know, knowing that the scripture that says husbands love your wives, you know, a lot of yeah. people are like, oh, we don't like that scripture, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but he has certainly been that man to me, Yeah, you know. And yeah. to see that walked out has just been... He's a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's Jesus yeah. in him. But that's yeah. him allowing the Lord yeah. to be a witness, you know, it's to good. me and yeah. to my family. Yeah. Can you... So, um, so I, I know, just for the people who are listening, like, yeah, what was your diagnosis? Like, what happened walking through um, all of that? Yeah. I just... I thought it was like probably some kind of digestive issue, Mm -hmm. but you walk in and the emergency room's like, 
because I just had pain in my upper stomach and I went to the emergency room and they're like, uh, yeah, we see a spot on your pancreas, but it could be nothing. Yeah. You know, and I just had a piece. I wasn't worried. I don't even know why. I've never worried throughout this whole thing about, oh, I have cancer, you know, the overwhelming. Like a lot of people are like, I got that devastating news. We were devastated and we cried, you know. It's like, yeah. it wasn't really like that. I mean, it was kind of surreal, you know, like, oh, and then I woke up from my biopsy. It's like, you have cancer. It's like, okay, well, what do we do now? Yeah. You know, it was just kind of like spiritually, even it was like, okay, God will get me through this, you know, just, okay, God will get me through this. And yeah. Never doubted, went right into fighting fear mode, you know, of like, I'm going to stand on God's word. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it was easy. That doesn't yeah, mean absolutely. that it's, it's just a decision you have to make. Well, so pancreatic cancer was what? Stage four. Yeah. Oh, wow. And they, yeah. pancreatic cancer, you know, they kind of look at you like, I'm sorry. You yeah. know, I'm sorry you have pancreatic cancer. And, by the way, there's a tiny spot in your lung that was almost too tiny to even biopsy. Otherwise, I could have been cured because they can cure pancreatic cancer. But once it's gone somewhere, they won't operate. And that's oh, the only way that you can have a cure. Wow. So you're, you know, basically been given a death sentence. But not just a death sentence. Everybody expects you to die within months. Wow. And most people do. Yeah. I mean, if you have stage 4 pancreatic cancer, that's that's your diagnosis. Yeah. That. They don't necessarily say it, but it's pretty much get your things in order. You know? Yes. So you are a walking so, miracle right now. I'm a walking miracle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even more so when you get that report that it's gone, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So it is a miracle. Miracles never cease. Yeah. So you just, I just have to rely on God's divine, you know, that we're safe for eternity. Yeah. So we're walking out a relationship with him just like we'll be walking out a relationship forever. Yes. So whatever happens here with my illness or not, it's it's about knowing him forever. Yeah. And learning here to where it doesn't matter, but his word matters. That's good. And he made a covenant with us in his word. He gave us a covenant. And so we have a right as believers to stand on his covenant, stand yeah. on his word. Yeah. So... Those are the things that you have to stand on, whether you're sick or not sick. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of torment and pain in people without being physically sick. Mm, it's good. You know? Yep. Absolutely. And that applies for anything that we go through. Yeah. Is um, that we're set free. And, and mm-hmm. if we don't dig into his word, we have too many things that come against us or remind us every day that. Yeah. That we're still living in this body and this earth in, in a fallen state. Yeah. But in our spirit, we're not. And our spirit man is way stronger than this body. Yeah. Yes and amen, huh? Yes and amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I can say, I have been through suffering. You know, I'm not the one to really complain a lot. Like, oh, no, I'm good. You know, but I've suffered a lot. Yeah. I've been through, like, uh, I almost died in December. Because I went through immunotherapy, which was a trial, City of Hope, and it was really bad. I mean, my pancreas was blocked. I was yellow. Went into the emergency room. The emergency doctor said, oh, how long did they give you? (laughs) Wow. Which is, like, not what you want to hear. Exactly. You know, and I was just like, somehow God's given me faith through the whole thing, though, to be like, are you kidding? That's a joke. You know, like, instead of going, what? I'm going to die? You know, like... Yeah. Just saying, that's not what God says. So, Hmm. um, yeah, so that's kind of been my walk through. And then I've been on and off chemo. And 
the chemo would work and then it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So every time, I mean, from the very beginning, my doctor has said, you know, you're going to be on chemo the rest of your life, which means you're not going to live long because you can't stay on chemo yeah. the rest of your life if yeah. you want to live long. Right. So, um, you know, you just you just have to stay in this place of just searching for him and longing for him every day. Yeah. Dependence, right? Total dependence. Yeah. But not, um, but to me, I have a harder time believing that I'm not going to be healed than I am, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because his word says it. Yeah. But yet in the midst of that, realizing that there's to not be disappointed in God because, yeah. um, and that's the journey I've been on lately through this whole thing is someone actually grabbed my face because through all the pain I've been through, um, it's like, can you actually, somebody said, Alice, can you see Jesus grabbing your face and just looking into your eyes and saying, I love you. Hmm. And that made me cry a lot because it's like, I can't. Hmm. And, you know, I've always been really close to the Lord, like always been able to. Yeah. But at that point, it's like, no, I can't. Like, it's really hard for me to believe that God loves me. Yeah. Even though I know he does, like it's in my heart, you know, in my head, I think it's in my heart. I believe that he, you know, like. When you're in that place. Well, duh, you know, like that's a given. But I didn't feel like, you know, it's like, okay, God, where are you? You know, just. Yeah. I'd be a lot better off if I know that you're just close to me. Right. So I kind of went on that journey from not being able to feel him to, okay, well, I may not be able to see his face right now, but I've never seen his back. Mm, that's good. So that's wow. really good to realize that. Okay. Hmm. He's never turned his back on you, even though you can't see his face right now. He's never turned his back. Yeah. So then I kind of went from that to starting, you know, begging to see visions like God just, because God has given me visions in my life. Like I've seen visions. That's one reason why I feel like God has so much more for me to do because there's there's just so many visions that he's given me that I don't feel like come to pass yet. Yeah. So, um one thing, you know, people think that you're crazy when you say that, but he mm-hmm. says that in his word. Yep. He'll give us dreams and visions, and he yes. has for me. Yes. So um, there's been times where I've seen his, started seeing his um, bloodied face. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of just seeing his face looking into me with compassion, I'd, I began to see him bloodied, mm-hmm. you know, like after he was beaten and just him trying to get me to realize, you know, this is my love for you. Like I'm mm. showing you my love here. And so mm. at you, like, I, this is how much I love you. Mm. Like, you know that, but I'm, you're look, being able to see that, that I love you this much. And then it kind of evolved into his resurrected face of seeing like Jesus whole yeah. again. And like, this is, it's finished. <laughs> it's done. There's no more I can do. You're making me cry. <laughs> I know you're gonna stop. Sorry, but it's um. But to me, it's like for me that was my healing. Yeah. Like your suffering is done. Um. Whatever that means. Yeah. But uh, that's enough. What more can he do? Yeah. You know, like we can't go by feelings. Yeah. Because he's done more than he can do so that was that's awesome to have been taken through that path because yeah. that's how we are before we're saved of not knowing you know not feeling him maybe or not knowing him 
to realizing that his what he did for us is all he can he can't show us that he loves us anymore. Yeah. And then not only that, he didn't just stay there, but he resurrected like he's alive. He, you know, resurrection's everything. Yeah. That he came back to life and that so that we can eternally feel him and eternally. And we have that here on earth. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven. Yeah. So to tap into that of, of eternal existence of Christ in our life is is awesome. So I won't say that I get up every morning and go, oh, I, you know, I see you every day. You're so close. I know there's a knowing now that I know that he's there. Yeah. A lot of people have, um, when we were at this conference this last weekend, a girl came up to me and just said, oh, I have a word from the Lord for you. Which would normally scare me, but now I'm like, okay, what is it? You know? <laughs> and and you know, it, it, along that lines of that, God sees me as a pearl, and He'll die deep to find me. Hmm. And um, you know, just knowing that He goes to that extent too. Yeah. Continually, of someone else has said, I just want you to know, Alice, how much God loves you. Yeah. God loves you. Yeah. And um, so I think that's. That could be harder sometimes than just thinking I'm healed. <laughs> as crazy as that may sound. Yeah. Um, because, it, like I said, you know, I get sick. I wake up and I'm, I don't feel good. Yeah. And it's all I can do to just get out of bed and go and do. And sometimes I said, we're a miracle for me. Just to be able to go, you yeah. know, to get up and do and think, wow, I still function, you know. Yeah. So. But yeah, I am getting at better. At this stage, every day is a miracle, right? Every day's a miracle, yes. And, and can you share, we talked a little bit about before we started recording, um, even just the last couple of months. So you were diagnosed with stage four, you've kind of been through a journey, you did chemo, and then you did trial, and at first your numbers went plump. So your numbers when you were diagnosed was what, 4,000? They were about 3,200. 3,200. And then, which is, in pancreatic cancer terms, I guess you'd say, you know, every cancer is measured in different right. different ways. Um, but then the first chemo was doing awesome. Like the first thing they put you on was just like, there's only two really approved pancreatic cancer drugs mm-hmm. that they, they know work. Yeah. So the first one, I mean, was knocking it out of the park. My numbers got down to like 300 and you know, you're just like, okay, good. This is the end of it, you know, but then it stops working. Yeah. And that's the pattern. Mm-hmm. It stops working and it comes back with a vengeance. Yeah. So then, of course, they started going up again. So that's when I tried the immunotherapy, which actually aggravated my tumor and caused it to grow and spread right. to my liver. So it was really bad, and then it blocked my pancreas, mm-hmm. which could have killed me. So, you know, that was really bad. And then I went on the other chemo that was supposed to have some effect. And sometimes it doesn't have effect on people, but thankfully this one worked too. It knocked it out of the park. I mean, they were mm-hmm. dropping, like, 3,000 points at one time. You know, I mean, it was it was getting rid of it, getting rid of it, getting rid of it. So then that stopped working recently. Yeah. And my count shot back up to over 6,000. Wow. So that's when my oncologist said, you know, this isn't working. And almost expecting it, you know. And, like, yeah, I don't even advise any more trials or anything else because we don't want to hurt you anymore, you yeah. know. Because I was, I was naturally like, well, does that mean I'm just, this is it? This is over, you know? Yeah. And my daughter was in the room with me, and she goes, no, Mom, that's what she said, you know? And basically wanted me to go on palliative care and, like, managing the pain and just keep me comfortable. Right. You know, and that's a really hard thing to hear. Yeah. 
So um, I was just like, I'm, I can't accept that. You know, it's almost like, okay, some, God will heal me. Yeah. Supernaturally. <laughs> Supernaturally, I wanted him to, you know, God will heal me supernaturally. So, um, and then you stopped. It was still really your... hard. Well, I didn't stop. Well, yeah, this was like on a Tuesday that she told me, but I went ahead and had the half of the chemo, which half of the chemo on now I take by, you know, they go through an IV. The other half of it is through pills. Mm-hmm. So, because it wasn't working, and I just figured, well, it's not going to work now. Yeah. I kind of like just didn't take all of my pills because I had not taken all of them before because they were too harsh. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I just, I don't want to be sick this whole time because I'm supposed to go into trial soon. So I didn't really take all of my pills that I was supposed to. And um, the next Tuesday when I went on, uh, I went in on Monday and had a CAT scan. It showed that it was out of my liver, back out of my liver <laughs> and out of my lung. Which wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. with my counts going up. Yeah. So that was a real miracle. And then I found out the next day that in my counts, they dropped another 2,000 points. Wow. So that was not normal. So contradictory from what she said just a week before, right? Yeah. And she was very happy. Yeah. You know, very pleased. But I still think she had that skepticism of. Right. Yeah, but it's going right, to. Right, right. Yeah. So then I went up to see a doctor in L.A. because I was trying to get on a trial up there. And um, he said, you know, you're doing really well. You're too young to have this cancer, and you're really fighting. And he goes, you know, there's not that much cancer in your body. He looked at my scans. Hmm. And that's a big contradictory, too, you know? Yeah. So that was, um, you know, just trusting that God is healing me. I mean, yeah, he's keeping me and sustaining me. Yeah. And all my body, all my counts you know, my other organs and everything. He's protecting them. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I think is really significant. So I talked to you at a mutual friend's wedding, John officiated. Mm -hmm. And another mutual friend of ours, Jessica, who's a friend of your daughter's, um, Jessica was helping me with some things for actually a cancer healing event that I was leading worship for. And she, you know, told you about it. So it was just this interesting thing. And we're at the wedding and you and I are talking and you're just like, Oh, by the way, isn't there someone that you know that either has cancer or is in something. So that set you and I on a journey. That's um, how God works. It's awesome. Yeah. Right. And, um, I have an aunt in San Diego. She's been healed from cancer twice, different types of cancer. Um, and she has a healing machine, you know, tumors dissolve, all that stuff. And it's Jesus who heals through her. She has the gift of supernatural gift, but it's by power of God through mm-hmm. her. And so you came down, I was leading worship and had her pray for you. And then you came to the cancer healing event. And there's something really, um, I think as believers, we are kind of in a culture where we're scared of saying or trusting or even trying to believe that God will do miracles, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll ask the elders to come and pray for us, and those prayers can end up being, you know, well, Lord, if it's your will, but if it's not, will you please bring peace? You know, it's like we're trying to cover all our bases, trying to protect God's reputation if he doesn't show up the way we think he should. Mm-hmm. And then we go, okay, I've been prayed for, and we stop there. Sometimes that can happen, but there's something about not stopping. <laughs> like, right. you know, and you from the beginning of the journey, you were just, I want to get prayed for. You came and you had Maria pray for you. I want to get prayed for it. You came down to the cancer healing event. You want to get prayed for it. You had, you went to Canopy and 
Right. You are not stopping. Right. You are pursuing Jesus. And, you know, I think as people, we want a magic formula or we want to, well, this is, this is how it happens. Or, oh, you need to have this much faith or, oh, you need, you know, da, 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 da. And we, we keep trying to, A, determine whether or not our prayers have been answered. B, then determine why it did or didn't. But there's something about just not relenting. Right. And knowing that God is moving and believing that and trusting that and continually pursuing him. Mm -hmm. Um, Being the woman who like fought through the crowd to just touch the hem of his garment. Being the person who whose friends lowered him through the roof you know it's Mm -hmm. like there's just I just need to get to Jesus and I'm just going to keep going to Jesus and the fact that you are in this place of of believing and trusting you're standing on his word standing on his character even the emotions and the feelings and the the pain that just the journey and the difficulty of the roller coaster of the journey you are not going to stop pursuing him Mm mm-hmm and going before him and having anybody and everybody pray for you because you know that there's power in prayer and that God does hear and that he does move and our prayers don't go unanswered. They just don't. Right. They may not be answered right here, right now, and maybe the way we would want it immediately, but he's not, he, like you said, you never see his back, mm-hmm. even if you don't see his face right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing, too, is that, yeah, that's your belief in prayer, too. You have to believe that every time we pray, something happens. Yeah. That he does answer our prayers. Yeah. Even I don't feel them, but I know he answers my, you know. Otherwise, why pray? Yeah. Why pray at all? Yeah. If you're just going to guess to pray, you know. But believe in, and, and through this journey, one thing that I've learned a lot is the compassion of others, the compassion of, of the body of Christ Mm-hmm. The people who have reached out to me that have learned to have compassion towards me that would have never learned compassion had they not known me through this. Yeah. You know, bringing me meals or rubbing my feet or just the love of God. You know, I have two different group teams of people pray for me. Like if I say, hey, I want to try this new patch just if it works, the money's in my account that afternoon. You know, like mm-hmm. like just just that kind of stuff. But that teaches them to give to the body of Christ too. You know, yeah. like they're going on a journey. Yeah. It's not about me. And also... You know, the whole thing of, like, a lot of people have taught, well, if somebody's not getting healed, it could be unforgiveness or it could be unbelief or it could be this. And, yes, you know, I understand that there there's some things that can block or whatever healing. But for me, what I've learned through all that is the compassion. If you're going to pray with someone or for someone, what has to be above all is the love and compassion to see that person healed. Yeah. Not for you to be able to see healing. Yeah. You know, because for me, Christianity 101, and not that I'm perfect, but I did learn at an early age repentance. Mm -hmm. And so obviously when I got sick, for me, it was like the first thing I'd run to is, you know, anything that would be blocked. And of course, I've been on a great journey of forgiveness, of, Mm -hmm. of learning to forgive anybody, but also not letting any unforgiveness from continual things that, you know, that happened. But that was part of my Christian walk already to understand that walking through that, being able to get past that and believing with my whole heart that God can heal me, Yeah, you know, and, and getting past those things. Um, those questions, I guess, at some point could be asked or should be asked. But after you've been on my journey as long as I have, you know, it's like, if one person asks me that, you know, it's not even asking. I don't mind asking. 
Right. I, you know, I've just had people say, well, there's a spirit of unforgiveness here and we need to deal with that and not even think about praying for me to be healed, but just focus in on that. You know, it's like, you know, that, that can be very damaging to someone who's already gone through that. So I just think it's a balance if you're going to have that gift to just be very careful to be sensitive to where that person is right now. I mean, obviously the whole sense of forgiveness and everything too should not be anything that's a bad thing or be hurtful. No. Because it's freedom. Yes. But when you've really cried out to Jesus as much as you can, it's like Holy Spirit and Jesus, like if you have not revealed anything to me now that, you know, right? it's like then what chance do I have of you even speaking to me or... Yeah. Well, that's a, that's that's a, a whole really, other measure of faith. Yeah. Well, and that's a, that's a, that's a huge thing because I think even, even ministers that operate and pray we can even fall into a formula, right? We can even fall into that, oh, well, I'm going to go through my list, unforgiveness and this, and the, you know, I'm going right, to go through, right. well, let's check right. out, let's clear off these lists. And then rather than stopping, <laughs> inviting the Holy Spirit's presence, inviting the, just the love of Jesus to, and just taking a beat and listening to what, what the Holy Spirit's saying and mm-hmm. how do we how do we love this person and minister to this person? And, you know, God is about, Healing is not just about physical healing. You know, Jesus died for our spiritual healing, the healing mm-hmm. of our soul, our spirit, our mind, our bodies, right? Mm-hmm. There's also, I'll just say a bad doctrine <laughs> that says, you know, God gave you cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's inflicted this upon me so that I can grow. And, and right. It's like, no, no, I don't believe that. Either. That is not biblical. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world where sickness and disease and just all these things are here. But God is a redeemer. Mm-hmm. And he can meet us in the middle of those things. And he can bring beauty from... He will bring beauty from ashes. Mm-hmm. He will open the prison doors for those who are captive. He will bring oil of joy for mourning and good news to the poor and... Um, all of those things. And he will bring wholeness and healing for our good and for his glory. And like you said, um, I I don't remember if I think you said this before we started recording that this journey that you're on, it's never just about us, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, even my testimony to my family, my family's watching right now, my kids that I've tried so hard to set a good example of how amazing God is. I don't want them to think, oh, mom's going through this because it's her fault or mom's going through this because if they go through something, I don't want them to think that about themselves. Yeah. So they're listening to what people say too. Yeah. You know, there, there was one thing I relied on a lot here. It says Jesus spent most of important moments in an olive garden, the garden of Gethsemane. Olives went through three pressings to get the oil. Jesus has three times in Matthew 6, 39, 42 to let his cup pass. Like an olive press, Jesus was being crushed by the weight of the world. So the light of the world could be released. Remember, it is the crushing that brings out the true inner value and worth of the olive, which is the oil. Yeah. So, you know, we aren't, Jesus doesn't crush us for his glory, but through the crushing. Yeah. He's, that's what we want anyway, is for Christ to be glorified in our life. Yeah. You know, and so we want that. Yeah. And realizing that that's what the crushing does. It brings forth that, not just to crush us, to obliviate us, you know? Right. It's to bring Him glory, and it's to demonstrate His love to the world, right? Right. To demonstrate His love to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to the people around you. And, you know, I often say that 
God is a redeemer and, and that that's what he does. But redemption, <clears throat> excuse me, redemption is messy. It's not linear. It's painful <laughs> and it can be excruciating, but it's powerful. And so I'm sure in this season, you and John, you know, your marriage walking this out, you have those moments of utter, you know, destitute, you know, desperation, but then you have right on the heels of that, this moment of miraculous peace and presence and freedom. And the same will go for your kids, but then you have to also surrender your kid's journey, right? Because the only thing you can do is be responsible and own your personal (laughs) relationship with Jesus and how you stand in that place where you're feeling like you can't see his face Mm -hmm. and how you can maybe not do anything but ask him for visions and then finally see his bloodied face and then finally see his glorified face. And, and it's all you can do to do that. And then you have to, at the same time, surrender your kids and their journey Mm because their journey is going to be different and trust that God's going to meet them and pursue them with the same love and relentlessness that he pursued you, but it's going to look different. Mm-hmm. How, how do you do I mean, how are you doing with that? <laughs> well, and you know, it's to the point too, where it's like, I think the sadder issue is so many people when they get older, our age, you know, life is no guarantee. People lose their jobs. You lose your homes. You, you know, we're never secure in this world. Yeah. For my kids, I think especially is trusting that God is allowing this, you know, for them to um, learn that he's enough no matter what and to mm. dig into him to not take him for granted. Yeah. It's terrible to see your kids and your husband suffer, you know. Yeah. You know, when my, my son gets upset because he's there with me every day because he has to pick me up when I'm crying. Yeah. You know, that's, nobody wants that. Yeah. Nobody wants that. You want to be a protector of yeah. your children. Yeah. You know, it's a mom. You want to protect them from pain. Yeah. You don't want your kids hurting. Yeah. You don't want to be the cause of it. I had to really struggle with that, too, of of feeling like I'm the cause of their pain. Yeah. But they're going to go through pain in their life, too. And so I want them to have that view that Jesus is more than enough through all of that. Yeah. It's not an empty, lonely world. You're never alone. Yeah. You're not left to your own demise. Yeah. You know, so it's it's really hard with my family. It's really hard with my kids. Yeah. Thank God they all know the Lord. They all know the Lord, and they're very deep in their convictions. But, yeah, it's very, very scary, too. Yeah. To deal with that. Well, and there's, there's something really significant as well for them to see you honestly walk this out, to not pretend. Yeah. When you're not feeling it, yeah, <laughs> and to share honestly the the journey, you know, being able to say like I I, I got nothing today, <laughs> yeah, or to say you know what, Jesus showed up last night and I saw his face, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and I don't know how I'm gonna get through tomorrow, but he's here, you know. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I think as you know we raise our kids and especially if we were believers, one of the things that I really wrestled with when I, when we had kids is that I wasn't raised as a Christian in a Christian home. You know, I'm, I found Jesus kind of like you, like I just, 
at 12 years old, I just knew like, okay, you're, you're mine. You know, I just, I had that intimate relationship. I didn't grow up in church, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And I married a man who loved Jesus. And then we had kids and suddenly I'm like, oh shoot. Like how, I mean, there's all the verses raise up, you know, raise up your child in the way that they should go. And when they grow up, they want, you know, oh, we're going to have family devotionals. Oh, we got Sunday school, you know, all of those things. But I kept looking at it going, I can do all of those things, but I can't give them that intimacy with Jesus. That's mm-hmm. theirs. That that has to be completely theirs. I really was a little bit concerned about that. And one of the things that I realized and one of the things that even now that my girls are older that we did without even realizing was, and that my oldest daughter especially has commented on, is that we were the same people behind closed doors as we were at church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that our love for Jesus wasn't just like, okay, we need to do these things. It was that relationship and, and being real with them, being honest with them, and messing up and not being perfect and being able to go and say, I'm sorry, <laughs> you guys forgive me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what, I'm having a bad day and I'm just I'm struggling today or whatever. And I think there's something really powerful when you're when you're walking through something that like what you're walking through that your kids see the reality of that journey mm-hmm. and kind of the rawness and the the depth of dependence of that relationship and that relationship is complex and you know yeah. does that make sense Yeah, it makes sense. But that's where getting back to the supernatural <laughs> comes in. The way yeah. you can't force it. It's not a formula. It's not right. a you know, I mean, I believe God's word is true, and that's why you read God's word because the word is live and active, and you know that's why you feed your kids God's word, and, yeah. and that's why the word works. But it doesn't mean that it's a formula. It's got to yeah. be a supernatural encounter. I mean, yes. it, re- it really is, and it it's, does. it's it's deeper than just going to church or just doing things at church or just having a small group. Your small group can't really protect you, or they can't be God to you. Yeah. That has to be something that you seek. I mean, that's definitely important in fellowship and small groups, like, are invaluable. But I just think that sometimes we miss out on the fact, even for me, it's reading Psalms 91 is a big deal, too, of just realizing that Christ made a covenant, but it's Christ who you have a covenant with. Yeah. Like, to cling to his word that he is my healer. and Yeah. You know, getting back to that, he'll answer my prayers. Like even as you, as a mom, even though you, you didn't know really how to do it or do that, but your prayers got to answer your prayers to reveal himself to your kids, like he revealed himself to you. Yeah. You know, so it's good. We're made for relationship. Bottom line, we are made for relationship with him, and then we're made for relationship with each other, and that community. God does use people to partner with them to absolutely. To bear one another's burdens, to to see heaven come. We are vessels. We are his hands and feet. But if we rely solely on people and we aren't encountering him, right? If we aren't, if we aren't going through the veil that was torn mm-hmm. into the presence of God the Father, if we aren't letting Jesus dwell in us, if we aren't willing to abide in Him live out John 17, mm-hmm. having dependence on the Holy Spirit, then we're missing. Well, and it's important in relationships or realize that, like you're saying in relationships for me, it's like, it can't just be those relationships, but those relationships are invaluable too. Like you were saying, it's, but it's Christ first. But I will say if we had not served and been 
doing what God had wanted us to do all along, then when I got sick, we wouldn't have those relationships. Like yeah. it's those relationships with the people like don't wait till you get sick to get in a small group. Don't wait till you get yeah. sick to serve the Lord because it's all those people that we served in ministry that we those youth that we ministered to. Like I said, going back to kids we had in youth group, you know, thirty years ago, it's like we can't go back and get those years back. But the relationships we've built over the years, yeah. It's what's praying me through now. Yeah. And what's keeping me going. So it's yeah. like don't wait until you have something bad to see how people love you, you know, yeah. like build those relationships on, along the way. And be willing to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that people will love you when you're sick and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about what it's like to receive. Um, it's hard. Yeah. It's not easy because we've always been the one to reach out and help people. And even when you get yeah. sick, like you're the ones that want to comfort everybody else. Like, no, really, it's fine. Okay. You know, it's really hard. Like I said, what, I had people who would come over and like want to rub my feet and I'm like what like Mm. no you know I'm fine (laughs) even though I love my feet rub trust me (laughs) but you know but just to sit there and watch women sit at the end of my feet and rub my feet is just like that's crazy and then but the first time the second time the third time you know or I have a neighbor who has really been there for me her and her husband have been there for John and I both and it's like to build a close enough relationship with her to where when you can call her and say, come over and see if I'm yellow. You know, do I need to go to the emergency room? I need you right now. Like, she'll run over to your house and literally hold you while you're crying. Like, you yeah. can't build, because you feel awkward. You don't want to do that. Like, it takes a while to know somebody before you feel comfortable enough somebody to come and just sit with you and hold your hand or yeah, or rub your back until yeah. the pain is gone, yeah. you know, until the, the medicine kicks in or whatever, you know. But at first it's awkward. Yeah. But then it gets to be where it's like you realize it's their blessing. That's been a journey, too, to allow people to. It's all hard. Yeah. But good. It's okay. It's good. I used to coach special needs cheerleading. I had a girl that was really scared of heights, stepping up on different platforms and stuff. She said, I can't. It's hard. I'd be like, well, hard is good. You know, hard (laughs) is good. Yeah. And then she started walking on different levels of heights and stuff, but it's like. No, it's hard, but sometimes hard is good. We don't see it, but it's okay. People have a lot of money, have nice homes, have perfect families, do a lot of really fun things together, really expensive things. All is good, but it may not be good, you know? Yeah. It may not be well with their soul, so how do you judge good, you know? Yeah. Except God is good all the time. Thank you for being willing to share. Well, it's all for his glory, you know. I mean, yeah. and that's not a cliche. It really is because he's he is worthy of all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. And people need to know that, that you can trust him. Yeah. You know, and I'd like to say if I can go through what I've gone through and still can say that, it's good. Yeah. He's, he's, he's true to his word. Yeah, he is. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. was so much in this conversation and I just want to take a moment before you move on to work or making dinner or doing homework or whatever's next on your agenda today if you or someone you know is walking through an illness 
in that place of waiting and hoping. I just pray in Jesus' name for peace, supernatural peace that passes understanding to guard your hearts and your minds in Him. I pray for God to meet you and meet those that you love tangibly, tenderly. I pray for eyes to see and ears to hear His voice. And I pray for hope and I pray for healing and revelation of all that He has for you and how deeply you are loved. I also want to encourage you that if there are people in your life that are walking through things that are difficult, it's time to be aware, have empathy, be sensitive and compassionate, be slow to speak, be quick to listen, be willing to love well. I hope that this sits as a reminder that if you are in in ministry, if you're a pastor, if you're a leader, if you are just on a prayer team, sensitivity and compassion and empathy and waiting on the Holy Spirit before you speak, letting him inform your prayers. Don't step in fear. Don't step in accusation. Always in love. We don't know what everybody's going through and we don't know what their journey's been. I hope that you can receive some of the things that Alice talked about that she was really honest about and I'm so grateful for, that we can all learn to be community better, that we can all learn to bear one another's burdens better. And lastly, I want to encourage you to learn how to receive. Are you in a place? Do you have community? Have you allowed relationships so that you can receive, so that God through people can care for you? It's a powerful thing that we have access to God the Father, Jesus the Son, to the Holy Spirit directly. We were made for a relationship with Him, but we were also made for relationship with one another. And that's as much about receiving as it is about giving. And sometimes the hardest things we can do is receive. And so I just pray for you in Jesus' name that you can maybe even humble yourself. It's a hard thing to say, I need something. And I'm not talking about a manipulative ask. I'm not talking about a... uh, codependent ask. I'm talking about allowing people to love, support, and surround you, allowing people to pray for you, allowing people to come alongside you, to be vulnerable, to let them in and see you in that place, Uh, trusting um, Jesus in them and allowing that relationship to bring the love of the Father to your heart and to your mind in a different way. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope that this conversation brought you hope. 
I ask that you would continue to pray for Alice and her family as God continues to bring healing and freedom and ministers love and restoration to this family. God bless you. If you want to support Sacred Space, it is supported by Stockton Ministries, which is a nonprofit organization. You can go to my website, GinaStockton.com, and you can click Donate in the top right-hand corner. It's also in the episode notes. And I would really love to hear from you. I would love to hear how God is meeting you through Sacred Space. So email me, reach out to me at Gina at GinaStockton.com. You can send an email through my website, GinaStockton.com. And also, if you would please take a minute and go rate and review us on iTunes, that would be amazing. The more reviews and ratings that we get, the more people find our podcast. Thank you so much. God bless you. Have a great day.